This is Wordfall, with historical novelist Rosanna M. White, offering our words to the Lord at the crossroads of faith, family, and fiction. Love extravagantly. So historically, I've always read the New King James Version of the Bible. I like a literal translation. Frankly, I sit there and compare it to the Greek half the time and, you know, quibble over what word means what and whether this was a good translation or not. For that reason, I had always been pretty wary of the message um, until I actually read the intro and realized that the author or the translator was not intending this to be a literal translation. He was intending it to be something you read along with a literal translation to try to shed some of the idiomatic light on these scriptures, which made me go, oh, okay, that's actually pretty cool. So where I have found the message to be very helpful is when I'm reading a passage that's really familiar to me. For example, 1 Corinthians 13, which is what we're going to talk about here. When I'm reading something like that, my mind tends to just go, yeah, 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 I know that part. Skim ahead, (laughs) right? Like jump, read the next part. Um, But I really like to be able to slow down and take in these old familiar passages in new ways. And that's where a new translation or even a very not literal translation can be very helpful. So here is the message version of 1 Corinthians 13. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. First off, it's worth noting what word is used for love here. It's not eros, which is the romantic sensual love. It's not philos, deep friendship that's used many times in the New Testament. It's not ludos, the playful or flirtatious affection between children or in a new relationship. It's not even pragma, the long-standing and lasting love associated with established married couples, which involves sacrifice and reason, actually the same root as pragmatic. And it's certainly not philousia, which is self-love. This love, of course, is agape, a radical kind of love to talk about at that point in time. And actually, it's still pretty radical today, despite our familiarity with the word. This is selfless, unconditional love. This is the kind of love God has for us, yes, but also the kind we are called to have for everyone else. Now, I'm pausing to ask myself, do I have a me-first attitude? Do I care for myself more than others? Am I pushy? Do I trust God always? If my answers aren't right, then you know what? I'm bankrupt. And what happens when we relate it back to the spiritual gifts, which is where this conversation in Corinthians comes from? We can seek all those gifts, both the flashy and the quiet. We can speak in the tongues of men and angels. We can prophesy. We can heal. We can do miracles. But those are all subject to this one base command. Love. Without reserve without judgment, without you and what you get from it being factored in. But we live in a society of me, right? I actually read an article about how um, society, especially faith in the church, changed as mirrors grew better. When Paul wrote this letter, mirrors were made of polished bronze that gave only a very hazy reflection. 
the result being that people didn't really know what they looked like. What they knew was what everyone else looked like. So their focus tended to remain on others, the things they could see clearly, and on community. Self-identity in the early church was built around community identity, which is why being excommunicated was the worst thing imaginable. But as mirrors became clearer, and people saw themselves clearly for the first time in history, there's a direct parallel change to where the emphasis turned, on themselves. Imagine what Paul would say now, when we not only look in a mirror and see ourselves clearly, but we have phones where we can spend half the day taking selfies. Our emphasis has turned fully on ourselves, and with it, agape love has suffered a severe decline in society as a whole. Community doesn't matter. I mean, if we get kicked out of one church, we can just go find another. The church doesn't have one body, not in Protestantism anyway. It has thousands. And how do we pick the one we belong to? Well, we choose the one that suits us, where we feel we belong. It goes back to us, to me. But that's all wrong. I also love how the message translates verse 13, the last verse of the chapter. It says, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. Why? Because that's who God is. And it's who he calls us to be. All of us, whether you're a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist, whether we have wise counsel or can heal or distinguish between spirits, no matter our gift, no matter our function in the church body, this is, or should be, the undergirding. We should be putting others before ourselves and loving them with an all-out, selfless, indefatigable love. Because in that love, we find union with each other and with God. Through that, we build a church we claim a resurrection body, and our faith has Check out rosannamwhite.com for information about me or my books and to subscribe to my newsletter. This episode of Wordfall is brought to you by Bookish Tees and Totes, bringing you t-shirt and tote bags for book lovers created by book lovers. Check out bookishteesandtotes.com to see our latest designs. Wordfall is a proud part of the White Fire Podcast Network, Please visit whitefire.tv slash podcast for other shows I know you'll love.